0: Kingway, Fox, Beard, Lock is acting very weird Captain Pike, Siskel's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom
1: is very harsh for Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk bad <laughs> Batless, Edward is an idiot Bark is dead, Wolf is wet, Chekhov's wearing red Zeta's cat, back fat, Q has had enough of that Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We talk about the series. You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. We're coming to you on the streaming services now. We talk about the series. Comic books, and games, we're going on the show now. We talk about the series.
2: Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, October 19th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast time. That means we are live. And that means you can call 646-668-2433 and join in the fun. And we're going to have lots of fun tonight. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, coming at you live from Vermont. And with me, as usual, are my truck experts. Let's go around the country and introduce them. We're down one tonight, but that's okay. Let's start off down in Las Vegas, where we have Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right.
3: We're currently waiting for this heat wave to finally break. And maybe it's the last of the 90s for the year.
2: Wow. We're waiting for snow. Anyways. It's gone. Snow, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. No, not really. And uh, we have in Portland with us. We only have the dynamic duo with us tonight because Paul is preoccupied, but we have the donut guy himself, David. How you doing,
4: David? Hey, I'm okay. Glad to be no here. No donut. No, no, no but donut. I do have gummy it's... bears.
2: Well, that, that works. You can shove them inside of a donut and have a gummy bear donut.
1: Whee! <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you got
2: to be creative, David. Be creative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also from the dynamic duo. We have our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? You know,
0: I am doing really good. I I've continued kind of my research of these rules of acquisition, man, and there's a lot of gaps in there. Uh, you know, they they go up to two hundred and eighty five, but uh but there's a lot of holes, so I'm excited about how much room there is to expand in the rules of acquisition. Oh wait, that was last week's episode. Right, right, right. This week we're talking about the other one. Sorry, I'm, I'm fixated on these rules. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them. A lot, there's a lot, like a lot, but uh, there's, like I said, a lot of gaps. So, you know, if you want to come up with your own rule of acquisition and you just want to make it up and give it a number, um, just, you know, go to Memory Alpha and find a hole and stick it in there. You
2: know, speaking of rules of acquisition, I was watching the DS9 episode, Dogs of War. Mm-hmm. And, That's a good one. And uh, there's a scene, there's a really funny scene where Quark signs everything over to Rom. Because Cork thinks he's going to be the, the next grand magus and mm-hmm. he's complaining to Rob. He's like, um, you know, we're not allowed to have monopolies, and you can't corner the market, and you have to you have to have unions and pay your workers equitable, and you can't get sexual <laughs> favors from the <Adabo laughs> girls, and you can't cheat. And he's like, what is this world coming to? <laughs> and it's, it's, oh, I, it was so funny. I was like, wow, mm. this is why I love I love Deep Space Nine, and I love Quark, and I love the Ferengi. It's funny. Really funny. Mm-hmm. Anyways, speaking of Ferengi, that was last week, we're going to be talking about the Lower Decks episode, A Few More Badgies, which was last week's episode, not the one that's on tonight, the one that was on last week, and that's because we have lots of listeners around the globe and we want them to feel welcome on the podcast as well. So we're going to be talking about a few more badgies. A few badges more. Far, though, that is just flipped those just last few words there, Jim. That we have, as of right now, we have 171,278 followers on our Facebook page. Do you remember how excited we were when we hit 5,000?
0: I do. I remember those days.
2: Yeah. Wow. And uh, we have um, 130,325 downloads of the podcast. So, wow. Just incredible. We, we couldn't do it without you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, I hope everybody's having a happy spot. you know, I want the ship to go now. <laughs> so,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. Best line Don't ever. I, you know, Jim, the, the, the one that I still was always hoping for uh, from Michael Burnham was Burnham, like Burn M. <laughs> Burnham. Yeah.
2: Burnham. Come
0: on, burn season off. five, give it to us.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, I, I still, I'm still, I'm still disappointed that they decided to end Discovery. Um, really, I. I yeah. I don't know why. I, mean, I think was, we're all there know. with
0: you, Jim. I think that, well, I mean, that's not what today's show is about, but, like, I cannot disagree with you, and I feel like it was the type of show that could have gone seven seasons uh for sure like i feel like there was a lot more to explore in this 32nd century i i was excited about the new setting that they got to in season three i was really excited about the characters i love what they've done with like the growth of michael burnham and how she's really developed and all the other ancillary characters and oh my gosh what's going on with tilly and can we get back there and talk about her i mean there's like all this stuff to explore and you know they're going to give us one more season which is going to be an amazing season i'm sure but I'm sure that they're gonna leave us wanting more in the end, you know. But I and I don't, and don't forget Saru spoken.
2: and his and his Vulcan yeah. lover there. Uh,
0: oh my God, Tarina! Toulin? Like I Tarina, yeah. Uh, yeah Tarina. Tarina and Saru sitting in a tree, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, wait, he has
0: hoops. He probably can't stuff. climb trees. <laughs> no, probably not.
2: <laughs> he can jump over them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I gotta believe that Vulcans are uh, not tree people, anyway, which is kind of interesting no. in terms of their evol Oh wait, I would devolve into an evolution discussion
2: here if you let me. Sorry, carry on. No, 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 no. But anyways, <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about Badgy, and goodgy and Logicy, and we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight. So you guys definitely want to hang in there. Um, over on our Facebook page. Um, every week I ask you guys all kinds of questions, mostly what do you think about this week's episode? And I usually put that up on Friday around coffee break sometime. And I would like to hear from you guys. But I also will ask you guys questions. uh, What did you think about Enterprise's episode Carbon Creek or the animated series episode yesteryear? I'm always throwing things up um, because I like you guys think about various Star Trek episodes, not just me and my co-hosts, but you guys, because you're part of the show. And uh, the best way to become part of the show is to go to our Facebook page and interact with us and get yourself a top fan badge. And, 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 and the best part is you can go over to trektalking.com. That's right, trektalking.com. I'll say it one more time, trektalking.com. When you go there, you'll have access to all of our past shows. Well, no, not all of them. I think there's only 359 there or 379. Um, we have over 500, I think, over 500 shows. Um, yeah, I think over 500. Um, but only the last 360 or so are on our trucktalking.com. So the older shows get bounced out. Plenty of content there for you guys to enjoy. So check that out if you get a chance. And Eric, Eric, every week we like to give a shout out to our fans around the globe Mm -hmm. and who's on your list tonight.
0: Oh, man, I want to start our fan shout-outs this week with Andre Bumbi. Andre Bumbi is saying hello to us from South Africa. Thank you so much, Andre, for carrying that Trek talking torch way down there at the tip of that amazing continent that I hope to visit one day myself. Thank you so much for your support. Also saying hello this week and sending out a big kapla and thank you to Jackie Rhodes. Jackie Rhodes is saying hello to us from Nowra, Australia. Jackie, do you know the dude? I don't. Maybe you do know the dude. Could live next door. We'll never know. But you do send us an idea. We'll never know.
1: <laughs> we'll never know. The Except
0: the, the dude just has to call again, and then we'll know. Jackie, uh, you sent us a very cool little emoji, which, of course, is what attracted Jim's attention. Smart thinking there, Jackie. Thank you so much for your support. Also saying hello this week and sending out a big live long and prosper to Andre Sigel, Andre Sigel is saying hello to us from Berlin, Germany. And uh, you, Andre, also sent a little flag from your country, a little emoji flag from Germany. And that, of course, is what attracted Jim's attention. Nice work. And last but not least on my list, of course, this week we have to spin that globe back to the UK. And from Hastings, England, sending us a big cheesy smiley face is Andi- Andy Morpheus. Andy Morpheus saying hello to us. And we say hello right back to you, mate. Thank you so much for your support over there in Hastings, England. Charles, would you like to bring it back stateside this week?
3: Mostly. I think somebody wasn't paying attention Did this week. Let's do a warm welcome to Trish Vanucci from St. John's, Florida. Welcome to Deanne Durbin. I'm in Southern California, only eight hours away to the Federation headquarters in San Francisco.
1: Well, you're home you're
3: also around the home of the fleet. And I'll ask you one of our questions that we were doing in our pre-show. So it doesn't rain in Southern California. Just prove us wrong. <laughs> Welcome to Gary Carr. From Alabama, car Alabama Talladega racing. I don't know. Are you into that? And greetings to top fan Stephen McBride from the not U.S. country of Scotland. So somebody put me in. Somebody put me off in the wrong country. Getting
0: international there, Charles. I like it. I like it a yeah. lot. Yeah. Expand your horizons.
3: Yep. So,
4: David, who's on your list? Hello. Can you hear me now? (laughs) Can
3: you
1: hear me now?
4: (laughs) All right. Swinging back into the States, and I'm going to give a greetings, warm welcome to all the shout-outs here. Let's start off with Jody Castillo from California. Uh, Swinging on up to uh, top fan Arlene K. Cudges uh Nudson uh from Nudson. North Dakota Nudson from North Dakota USA Next on the list is a uh Jeff Jameson from Albuquerque New Mexico USA sending us a little USA flag <coughs> uh last on my list is a warm welcome to top fan Lynn Cole uh, Coley Cole? Kalele from Fairmont, West Virginia. Sorry for butchering the last name there, but uh, I guess I'll send it on to Eric.
0: Yeah, also saying hello and uh, sending out a big, like, seriously warm thank you to top fan Riley Walfelet, who's saying hello to us from the beautiful country of Belgium. So much good food, so much good scenery. Ah, It looks amazing there. Thank you, Riley, so much for supporting our podcast from there. Also saying hello this week to Kai Skog. Kai Skog is saying hello to us from Vasa Finland. Vasa Finland. Uh, I have some uh, familiar roots there in Sweden, uh, one of your neighbors, and I cannot wait to get up to Scandinavia to explore your part of the world. It looks amazing. Thank you so much, Kai. Also saying hello this week to Don Sutar. Currently in Thailand, I wonder where you came from, Don, but it doesn't really matter because you always carry Star Trek in your heart, don't you, brother? Carry it wherever you go, including all the way to Thailand. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. And last but not least, we're saying hello this week to Henry Gerard Z. Reyes from the Philippines, another amazing place I would love to go. Can you imagine living in such a place as that? It looks uh, metropolitan. It's got the weather. It's got so much good food. Oh, so many good things. Henry, thank you so much for saying hello to us this week. And, Jim, I'm going to spin that globe right on over to you, brother.
2: Yes, thank you so much, Eric. We want to say thank you and kapla to Tamika Griffin, who says she's listening from a small town in Alaska. That's pretty cool. We also want to say thank you and kapla to Bobby Allen, who's listening to us in Las Cruces, New Mexico and sends us an alien head and a live long and prosper emoji. Right back at you, Bobby. We also want to say thank you to top fan Bob J. Thompson, who's listening to us in St. Louis, Missouri. And last, but absolutely not least, top fan Larry Ward. And where is Larry listening to us from, Eric?
0: My home state of Oregon. Larry, so good to have yet another person from the Great Northwest, supporting our podcast, man, there is something in the water, Jim. Don't you think?
2: It's something. It's the water, the air. I'm not sure. The food. It's the it's donuts. The donuts. The donuts. The gummy bacon covered donuts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh boy!
2: Well, thank you so much to each and every one of our top fans, and you too can be a top fan by visiting our Facebook page, interacting with us. And speaking of interacting with us on our Facebook page, last week I asked you guys, our Facebook fans, to score the episode on a score of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about a few badgies more? Well, Jim, uh,
0: Chris Troney gave it a 7. Lower Decks is really starting to recycle plot lines from other series, and it's getting boring. The negotiation with Rom was resolved the same way Pike resolved the negotiation in Spock There was another this season that had me thinking, oh, I saw this in Discovery. Removed all anticipation I had for the story's resolution because it started feeling like a rerun. Thanks, Chris. Top fan James Young said seven, mildly entertaining, but not great. Top fan Aaron Aiken said, I'm giving it an eight, not because I think it was the best that Lower Decks has done, Crappy wording. I've ranked episodes as a ten before. I didn't think it was truly eight-worthy, but I'm hoping this episode did something. Badgie is my least favorite character, and I feel like the Badgie story didn't need to be explored as much as it has been. I'm really hoping that this ascension marks the end of the character. I'm also hopeful that it marks the end of Peanut Hamper. As a villain anyway, character doesn't really bother me that much. I actually like the idea of PH as a crew member. I do look forward to future stories with Agamas attempting to reform. I think I'd be interested to see a machine reform itself. Lower Decks is great, but some of these characters are getting reused to explore deeper stories that I don't know feel recycled. I fully expect Boimler's clone to be in the mystery ship. I'm fine with it, but I hope they're using this season to wrap up these characters and will move on to other new things next season. I mean, it's animation. There's no makeup budget. They could really get extra with expanding the universe. I get why they hold back a bit, though. A big chunk of Phantom hates anything new, which is interesting for a franchise rooted in exploration. Wow, thanks, Aaron. That was great. Uh, Yosman Lloyd Rucker says, I really enjoyed this episode. It eliminated a lot of theories regarding the ship and opened up a whole new set of questions. We have seen the koala twice this season. Hmm... We may need to plead with the koalas so that we can get our fifth season.
1: <laughs>
0: I give the episode a 9 out of 10. Thanks, Yoseman. Dustin S. Wing said 5.5. 5. It was a lot of fun. The jokes were generally funny, but both plots end in anti-climaxes that just resolved themselves. Loved ascending to the great koala. Top fan Michael Schwer- uh, Schwertfeger said this was not a strong episode. I give it a 3. I really like the show, but this episode was difficult to watch for me. Top fan Eris gave it a 9. Ross Trotter said, and any episode with the koala is an instant 10. (laughs) Top fan Bradley Boots gave it an 8.5. Tom Casey said 9. And Elias Papavasopoulos gave it an 8. That, you guys, gives us a fan score this week of 8.4 which is super respectable. That's third best on the season now in our running tally. Woo, how about that?
2: Wow, that's that's impressive for sure.
0: And you know what that music means. It's once again time to put on your thinking caps and join us for Star Trek Trivia Time with Uncle Jim.
2: All right, are you ready for a little bit of trivia, (laughs) David? Okay, how many donuts are in a baker's dozen? No, just kidding. So, uh, <laughs> oh God,
1: question? Everybody knows that one. <laughs> no.
2: So, David, what is the name of the shuttlecraft that Rutherford is attempting to install a grappler on?
4: Oh, no. It has that really hard word that I can't really pronounce. <laughs> it's the type of tree. Supercalifragilistic
2: XP dosis. <laughs> that
4: one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. I cannot pronounce it.
0: It's like a, a Sequoia.
4: Is it a sequo-y?
2: Sequoia? Sequoia. Sequoia. That's right.
1: Ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding.
2: Give that man a donut. <laughs> nom,
4: nom, 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 nom. <laughs>
2: All right, the next one I was going to throw out to Paul, but Paul's not here, so I think I'm going to throw this one out to Charles instead. You ready, Charles? I think I am. All right. So in this episode, Jeffrey Combs voices Agamemnon, the evil computer. Name another Star Trek character that he played, and there's quite a few, so it's a pretty easy question.
3: Well, didn't he play Wyun? And why you number two? And why you number three? And why you number four on DS nine? Actually,
0: we saw. Technically speaking, if you want to get into the lore, we saw six, seven, eight, and nine. But yeah, it's the right okay. idea. <laughs> oh, I'm
3: yeah, sure that, I'm sure did. one through five was there somewhere.
0: Somewhere they died before we got to see them, though. Yeah, I feel like six said something about like some of his clones like being imperfect at the beginning or so. I don't know. Anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I think he. I, I wanted one to one ask uh, David. David, mm-hmm? who, can you think of another character that Jeffrey Combs played on Star Trek?
4: Oh, uh, are you talking about the seven deadly uh, characters that he played? He's played a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, most memorable for me would be Swan from Enterprise. Yeah,
2: yeah. the Andorian. The man. Right?
4: Wow,
2: he is yeah. the bomb. The mm-hmm. bomb for sure. And and Eric, we've heard from everybody else. Can you name another character that Jesse Combs has played on Star Trek?
0: Oh yeah. Um, well he since we were just chatting about Ferengi, you know, he played <laughs> Brunt and Mirror Brunt, uh, on DS nine. So either like the the feared enemy of Quark in the in our universe or like this kind of weird helpful character
2: in the mirror universe. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey Combs, he's he's also voiced characters in the video games as well. He's done a lot. So, yeah, there's our Jeffrey Combs hit of the day. All right. So, Eric, you ready for another question? Ooh, yeah. So, what does Agamus refer to Boimler as?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I know. The only reason I know this is that we always watch shows with the, with the subtitles on because our family watches a lot of British shows, and my daughter in particular wants to make sure she catches all the dialogue. So he literally said, meat pipe, like P-I-P-E, which I kind of took to mean like almost like a sausage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's a giant sausage. <laughs> he's a meat pipe. He's a sausage. <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> Excellent.
2: And Charles, you get to bring up the caboose on this one, you ready? Yep. What is Peanut Hamper's prisoner designation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't
3: she cellmate five eight five or was it eight five eight? It was was I think it was eight,
2: eight? eight I think it was eight five eight. Eight that's right. (laughs) And that, my friends, wraps up our brief, but fun, and informative trivia with Uncle Jim. And now it's time for some Cadet Training with Charles.
3: Well, since one of our friends said some of this stuff was recycled... Let's go through some of the recycled episodes they went through. Ah, uh, lower decks, Terminal provocation. Season one, episode six. This is where we get to meet Badgie for the first time. And then of course, lower decks, stars at night, episode thirteen season three, episode ten, the end of the end of that season. That's the last time we saw Badgie. Of course, with the opening, we saw TNG 11001001, Season 1, Episode 15, as we get the introduction and our only time we've seen the binars. Of course, you can generally just go to Enterprise and learn about the grappler on the NXO-1. TNG, Arsenal of Freedom, Season 1, Episode 21. That's the one time we saw some remote-controlled drones, which looked a lot like some controlled drones we saw on here. DS9, Civil Defense, Season 3, Episode 7, where we found three and TNG's Quality of Life, Season 6, Episode 9. This is where we get to see where Peanut Hampers' Peanut Hampers colony started and their home planet. Not as many to look up this week. But sounds like a good time to talk about this episode.
2: Well, I wanted to jump in, and uh, since Paul isn't here... Paul scored this episode a three. Um, and that was it. He gave it a three. So I wanted to get his score recorded um, duly. And uh, let's see. David, you want to jump in and talk about this episode first?
4: Okay. Um, I think we're getting close to the mystery of that ship finally. And... Um, I'm almost thinking, uh, well, I'll let everybody have their theories out there, but um, apparently we hear at the very end of this episode that uh, the ship isn't destroying them. Apparently they are collecting them. It's just like another alternative to a Borg or something. (laughs) But, um, anywho, uh, yeah, the episode was pretty interesting. I, I, I... I, I kind of have to agree with the recycling of new epi- uh, the, of the old episodes, but, I mean, oh, I don't know. Just to be honest, this is like, what, number 800 episodes of Star Trek all throughout the entire series. So, I mean, it's like a well, franchise, I should say. Either way, I mean, there's bound to be a recycled episode here and there. And as far as new ideas coming up, I mean... I don't know. I I kind of have to say that it's kind of, I don't, I'm not really sure how to put it, but to me, it's just, I don't mind the episode when they become, you know, like a uh, um, recyclable, <laughs> sorry, I'm having a brain fog here. Um, basically, this episode, uh, it's gotten quite interesting when it comes to uh, backstories and the humor and um, a lot of the other interesting new things that add to the Star Trek lore. To me, this one kind of made it up there, but I don't know. It's not my favorite episode. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the funny parts in you know, that happened, but I'm um, I'm pretty sure you guys will remind me, but yeah, to me, this episode, I'm scoring, I'm actually going to, I was going to score it a nine, but I'm actually going to go down to an eight.
2: Wow.
4: Yeah. An eight it, from David. Yeah, all it just right. wasn't all that there great for, me for some reason.
2: <laughs> we got a three from Paul, an eight from David. You want to jump in next, Eric? Uh,
0: Yeah, sure. Uh yeah, so, I mean, when the f- episode first started, I mean, I was excited to see the Binars again. I thought that was really cool, and I instantly thought of you, Jim, um, because of, <laughs> you're fascinated with the Binars.
2: <laughs> I know. I was, yeah. <laughs> when I saw the Binars, I was like, now those are the Binars I was thinking of
1: yeah, when they said yeah.
2: that. <laughs> yeah, so it was fun
0: to see them in, like, an animated way, and you knew right away when you saw them that you that you were going to see the bad guy ship and it was cool. I agree with David like it was cool at the end to at least get a little bit of information about that and David used a very a very interesting um word there I think without intending to he said they're not d- just being destroyed they're being collected and that you know there's been a theory kind of out there I don't know I saw it on the lower decks uh Facebook page maybe like a week or two ago that potentially we might be looking at a at a collector situation in here. We're talking about um, the character from the most toys, the TMG uh, season three, episode 22 where, you know, he has all of the most rare things in the galaxy. And in that Mm -hmm. episode, he's trying to collect data. And so, you know, it's very possible that we've got a situation like that. Now, why that character in particular would want to collect some random ship of binars or some random ship of Klingons that doesn't really track. So, I'm not convinced it is the collector but it we've certainly seen precedent for um you know a story that maybe some of the fans would say is recycled but I think feels still feels fresh and I I actually like the idea of this kind of long arc that goes through the whole season that ties it together of this mysterious bad guy I think they've extended it out a little bit too long and one of the things I noticed about this episode was that it felt pretty to me like this this almost felt more like a season ender to me than just kind of a like, oh, we're getting close to the end of the season because you got, it's like the ultimate team-up of three creepy AI-style characters, right? You got you got Badgie, you got Agamus, and you got Peanut Hamper, and they're all artificial intelligences that all have a history of wanting to be evil because... <laughs> In Star Trek, aside from Data, AI can't apparently (laughs) be
1: benevolent.
0: There's like a 99% chance it's going to go wrong, right? In Star Trek, so um, so you know, despite that that sort of trope, I thought it was cool to see how some of these AI characters like develop over the course of the episode. You know, Peanut Hamper Hamper definitely goes through a a full sort of um, you know come to Jesus moment where she sort of like figures out like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I just really need to be, uh, it feels better to be nice to people. And I actually do believe that humans are actually kind of cool. And I do think that living with them is, is an important thing to do. And, and we get the same thing, um, uh, from Badgie at, at one point, so Agamus is the only one who kind of ends the episode unreformed and and back in jail, so I fully expect to see him in a future episode, I think um, let's see what else uh yeah, I some really funny things like I love that <laughs> that one other AI that was like the black and purple one his laid his name was Lord Tyrannicalicus. <laughs> Which I think is one of the best <laughs> uh villain names I've ever heard in my life, Lord Tyrannicalicus. um I thought the splitting of Badgy into the like his different personalities was kind of interesting, like you get badgy, you get goodgie, and you get Logic-y. and it's kind of like you know um I always forget the name of the episode, but the TOS episode where Kirk splits into like his good and bad sides. Do you remember that one off the top of your head? I almost
3: included that one in there. And I can't
0: yeah, the so there's, there, I can't remember off the top of my head the name of that one, but there, it sort of reminded Turnabout me of... Turnabout
2: Intruder? Turnabout Intruder, that that's it? what it is.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, you, like we've recently had these kind of other episodes like Tuvix and stuff that we've talked about where um, there, there are uh, personalities involved, you know? So I... I, I thought that part of this was actually pretty cool, and I I, I dug it. Um, the, I kind of agree with the one listener who said that they don't really care for Badgie. I, there's something about his megalomania that just turns me off big time. I think, I think he's supposed to be so kind of brutal and so over-the-top that that's what makes him funny, but I find him a little off-putting. I really like, though his his goodgie version and I really like his logic y version. <laughs> so you know, like in Turnabout Intruder, like one can't really exist without the other I guess. So I I guess it's you gotta have the bad badgie for it to all sort of work out in the end. So you know it's like I don't really care for badgie, but I understand why he must exist so that these awesome I what I think was actually a pretty cool story, um, can be told. Uh Lower Decks does a great job of always doing the callbacks. Charles always does a great job of telling us during cadet training of what episodes we should go back and watch. So other than the the binars, there were a ton of other ones uh, that you should go back and, and check out from his thing. Um, and then my personal kind of like that's totally awesome moment is when they did the grappler thing. And I know we've already talked about that, but... Remember a couple episodes ago, there was a whole grappler situation, too, where they were talking about grapplers. And so it seems to me that the Lower Decks crew, these four junior grade lieutenants, have a strange fascination with grapplers, which I also do. So that that resonates with me (laughs) big time, big time. Okay, Um,
3: Eric, what other episode did mention the grappler? Or where uh, have they also mentioned it?
0: Uh, uh, well, it was just in a, wasn't it, just in a um a uh, Strange New Worlds episode at yes, like towards was. the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Which, but I don't remember which yeah. episode it was. This was the old episode.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh yeah,
1: yeah. These so old
0: scientist.
3: He talked about the grappler.
0: That's what it was. Yeah. Seeing
3: the seeing the NXO one in the museum. That's what it
0: was. I love it. Um, some <laughs> fantastic lines uh, you were saying uh, David that you know, you'd know it when you heard it again so here are some of my favorite lines I can't let Badgie boop my friends to death <laughs> that's Rutherford oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Badgie to Rutherford what are you doing? giving my son a hug Aww, did anybody else find that a tender moment I thought that was actually pretty nice yeah. um, uh, Boimler's best line Starfleet definitely wouldn't be able to reverse this in an hour.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Reference to bottle episodes that sort of end as they began, right? <laughs> um, last thoughts, I guess, on the episode for me are uh, some of the cool sounds that Peanut Hamper's dad made. reminded me of the Enterprise D, I think, door sounds or something. It was, it, they were definitely very, very familiar sounds to me. from. Uh, I actually thought
4: that robot came from that episode.
0: Uh, maybe, oh, maybe he was the oh, is he the actual exocomp from? <gasps>
4: maybe. Oh, oh, I didn't even think
0: of that. Oh, that's a cool idea. David,
4: you're brilliant.
0: Have another I like donut. That dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have another donut. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah, um, I will, I will go hang out with the Q continuum, or or go to the Black Mountain after this, uh, <laughs> or or perhaps uh, just fly away with the great bird of the galaxy, but uh I, you know, this episode was pretty good to me. I enjoyed it, but it did not knock my socks off, and it didn't really have like too much character development other than these three AI characters, so I'm going to give it a seven.
2: All right, that's cool. That is cool. Seven. How about you, Charles? Well,
3: I am a badgy fan, and... Did pick up my badgie Hallmark Christmas ornaments this last weekend. Nice. Plus, I have my metal metal uh, badgie from metal Christmas badgy from Christmas. So I like. I kind of wonder if a bit of a theory that okay. Why was this not an end season one? I wonder if this might not, this may not be the last time we see, I wonder if it might not be the last time we see Badgie. You're saying wow. not, this might be the last we've seen of Artemis. And then you're making me think of, well, what if we get to see Artemis and Badgie in the season finale, as in they help? Defeat the mystery ship. Possibility.
1: Which must
4: uh, which must somehow,
0: Charles, which, be tied to the whale probe because nobody... We haven't seen the whale probe yet and it's in the credits. Something's got to be going on with the whale probe.
4: Right. It's all time
0: travel stuff. <laughs> it's all timey-wimey. <laughs> timey-wimey.
3: Now, what... What's something common that a lot of the ships that have been attacked have in common is they talk many of the crews have talked about the weapons they have on board. So you wonder what kind of weapons, though, I'm not sure they're smart enough to make us make us go because I don't think they're coming back because I don't think they're smart enough to create this ship. But we saw definitely an interesting direction with Peanut Hammer. And, of course, got a chance to go back to Daystrom again. And as you said, I do like the Goody... And logicy characters. <clears throat> so we're just going to have to hope we might get those characters, <laughs> copies of those characters sometime. Hopefully they get. Hopefully, um, maybe we'll see Goody again. Oh, uh, Charles, see, wouldn't, logically. Wouldn't
0: it be great to see like a 3D chess game between logic-y and Talin?
3: Oh, yes, because, yes, because this is another episode that I'm sad we didn't see Tallinn. Yeah. And we should see Tallinn. But at least we got a good resolution for Badgie. I like the fact that he can sit there and I'm going to control everything. And open his eyes and realize, yeah, but I don't need to.
0: Well, and this is our second ascension that we've seen in lower decks, right? Right. This is our second character we've seen kind of move on to the next plane of existence, which is pretty good. Yep.
3: Cool. And one that almost did. Mm-hmm. Boimler has seen the...
0: He's seen the koala.
3: He's <laughs> seen the quala but didn't ascend. <laughs> so, I'll up Eric just a little higher on this one and go with a 7.5.
2: 7.5. Could have, done a
3: little, could have done a little more with it. Hmm.
2: Well, I guess I'll bring up the caboose here. Um, so I, I decided to, as I was watching, I kind of felt like David, like one of our fans. So the first thing, um, I gave it a minus for the return of Badgie. I just kind of feel that
1: <laughs> we
2: needed to see more of Badgie. Um I felt like we saw enough of them, so... That was a minus.
1: Um,
2: But I did give them a huge plus for the Binars. I love the Binars. I always loved the Binars. Especially when I was so disappointed that they weren't actually going to be on Discovery after they said they were going to have a binary character. and You guys know that whole story. So, seeing the Binars again um, was a huge huge plus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could duplicate their little voice.
2: I was a little disappointed that they didn't subtitle what they were singing. Mm. Um, They were just going, I was like, how come it's not subtitling their language? Which it didn't, because I put the subtitles on and it didn't. So I guess there's no binary language. Maybe the
3: universal translator can't even understand it.
2: (laughs) That could be. Uh, So I, I was a huge, huge, huge quest for pulling the binars out. And putting them front, and that was really, really excellent I also gave this episode a huge plus for bringing back the mystery ship We saw this in the first episode But as Eric said, they've been stretching it And we haven't really heard much about it until this episode So for me, that was a big plus That they're swinging it back again to the mystery ship And unfortunately, I disagree with my co-host Because I gave it a minus for the grapplers um, it, it's ancient technology that was on the NX-01, and they have tractor beams. There's no need for a grappler. So well,
0: I, actually, Jim, I, I'm super glad that you brought that up because, as you know, I love to discuss the science of Star Trek. And one of the reasons that you actually might want to use a grappler versus a um, a tractor beam is that a tractor beam... Uh, in t- is based on being able to move a mass that is um, you know, sm- basically smaller than the mass of your ship. Now, one of the things that they've never really explored fully in Star Trek is like, how do you take a ship that has a really tiny mass and move a sh- something that has a really big mass? A grappler kind of being that direct connection, I think, might give you some advantages in that regard. I don't know. Isn't it cool though to add sort of a mechanical element? I mean, isn't that sort of fun? They're not really for you.
2: Well, you know, I I would have thought that they already perfected the grapplers on Enterprise and up through Enterprise, which we didn't get to see. By the time Enterprise or uh, Star Trek comes along, they're not grappling, swinging, grappling, They're not using grapplers anymore. (laughs) But this is like the hobby.
0: But this is like Rutherford's hobby, right? This is like, um, well, they've perfected sending people to the moon, but Eric goes in his backyard and builds a model rocket and shoots it up into the air. That's kind of like how I read it was that, you know, these guys are just, yes, perfect grapplers exist. But if you saw that shuttle that they were working on, it was pretty janky.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is,
0: definitely. And I, th- and I think they were just having fun, like, in their spare time. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's, and uh, I also uh, had to throw out a minus for the old trope of we're the closest ship in the area thing. Um, it's like, okay, cool, fine, if they want to throw that in there. Um, and another minus because I hate peanut hamper. Um, mm. I just can't stand that character. And to bring that character back and badgie back in the same episodes annoyed me. And so I had to go with a minus for that one because that last episode with Peanut Hamper, the mathematical improbabilities, I thought was the worst episode ever. And they brought her back. So I was like, oh, God, there's another minus. Um, So I didn't care for that. Gave him a huge plus for bringing Jeffrey Combs back as Agamemnon. I love Jeffrey Combs. Everything he does, everything he touches in Star Trek is pure gold. And Agamemnon is no example to that. He is awesome. I love him. Everything he touches. So I gave him a plus for bringing him back. Um, I also had to throw in a plus for the Daystrom Institute. Um, It it, it appeared in the episode exactly the way we see it on Star Trek Picard. It even had the floating uh, Mm -hmm. jigger. In the the sky, whatever that thing was. Um, So, uh, you know, that was a huge plus because I like to see when they give us consistencies between different shows, it just reinforces the fact that these are all in the same universe. And there's a lot of fans out there that think every Star Trek series is in a mirror universe or a multiple universe because they don't like the technology or whatever. Well, guess what? It ain't. So the fact that we saw uh, the Daystrom Institute, that was really cool, and that was a big plus for me. But let's swing it back the other way. I had to give them a minus to the old. We figured out the, the shield frequency trope again. Um, I'm like, oh, God, this whole episode is tropey, 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 tropey. Um, so the fact that, uh, you know, they were able to forego the shield frequencies, I was like, yeah, Okay. The Klingon sisters did that. We've seen that before. So I was, you know. And speaking of tropes, I, another minus for flooding the ship with fluorazine gas. Khan did this. Um, and so, and Space Seed. So another trope. And while we're on tropes, a minus for another trope. Uh, badgie splitting into good and bad, logicky, all these different badgies. It just reminded me of the Star Trek Picard with Data, where Data was giving away his memories and defeated lore through, I just, I didn't like that. I felt that that was another recycled trope that we didn't need. But don't worry, uh, because I gave him a huge quest because I really liked the Tendi-Boimler pair up. As far as I can recall, I think this is the first time we've seen the two of them together on a mission, isn't it? Maybe I'm just not remembering, but I don't think so. Boyler to... and
4: who? And Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think they worked really well together. I like I like the chemistry that they had, so that that was a huge plus. Um, yeah, and then we're back to the tropes of talking the computer into confusing itself using logic again. I mean, how many times did Kirk do this? On TOS, (laughs) you know, um, yeah. And then another minus for uploading to every Federation computer in the whole Federation. We just saw the board do this on Picard. I was like, another trope. Um, So there's another minus. But I'm going to go into some pluses here. So I hate Peanut (laughs) Hamper. I told you I, I didn't like Peanut Hamper, but I had to give him a plus because of her redemption arc. I guess growing tomatoes and things like that and watering plants. And uh, I'm a sucker for good redemption arc. So the fact that Tina Hamper got her redemption arc, I thought was a huge plus. I also thought it was a plus that we got to see the Vulcan ship that Talyn came from. That was pretty cool. And it was also a plus that we got to see the Starfleet Museum where Geordi works from Star Trek Picard. And a double plus for seeing Deep Space Nine. That was incredible. And uh, another plus for showing us the space Dock. Again, we saw that in all the Star Trek movies and most recently on Star Trek Picard. A plus for seeing the koala. And a plus for the Agamist kind of pseudo-redemption story. I like the way it ended where he was talking to Chironic guess is saying that he would try to teach him. So when you add it all up, all the pluses, all the minuses, I'm giving this episode an eight. Wow. So, that's, that was awesome. There you have it. it was, was that in-depth enough? It
1: <laughs> uh, <that> was very <laughs> thorough.
2: Very thorough, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I just was just having some fun with it, and, and that's Absolutely. what I came up with. So Charles. <laughs> What's our overall score?
3: Well, thanks to... Somebody's not really liking the episode too well. (laughs) The fans gave it an 8.4. Their favorite episodes. The hosts gave it a 6.7. Their least favorite episode.
2: Hmm. Okay, well there you have it. Experts versus fans.
4: Dun dun dun! I actually thought what? you were going to come out on like one or something with all the <laughs> monsters. <marshes. laughs>
0: Those, bi- that's because he gave it a plus one hundred for the binars.
4: Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the
2: binars. That, that the binars <laughs> just was was the ultimate. You know. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you know what time it is? I bet you do. It's time for...
4: That was not a Klingon song.
2: All right, guys. This is our Star Trek birthdays. And we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric.
0: Uh, Jim, this week we're going to remember five members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us that would have had birthdays this week. We're going to start out with a real banger. Uh, The actor Mark Leonard, I know you know that name. He's the American actor best known for playing Sarek in all sorts of Star Trek in his life. Uh, We start out seeing him, of course, in the original series, uh, second season episode, Journey to Babel. Uh, Later we see him in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, and Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. He does not make an appearance in Jim's favorite movie, but we see him again in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, then we see him again in TNG, third and fifth season, episode "Sarek" and Unification One, and he also voiced the role in the animated series first season episode oh. Year, which uh, is Jared. amazing. Yeah.
3: Oh, you missed a big one of Jim's favorites. Mark Leonard was the first Klingon.
0: I'm still with getting the there. Ridges yes ah.
3: <laughs>
0: absolutely, yeah, no, you're totally right charles uh we yeah, yeah we in fact, he's got it so much lore behind him, so yeah. Yeah, we can we can move on to the So he absolutely was the first Klingon that we see with Ridges, of course. That is uh, the Klingon captain aboard the IKS Amar in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Um, Leonard had actually requested to rep- reprise his role as Sarek in this film, um, but that request was denied. And instead, they offered him the role of the Klingon captain. Uh, so we got to see him there. Um, you know, before he was even cast as Sarek, he played the first major Romulan character seen uh, in Star Trek The Romulan Commander. Not technically the absolute first Romulan we see, because Decius is actually the first one we see in his helmet, but he's the first one that we see with the ears, and we kind of are like, oh my god, they look just like bones. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um what I didn't know until I started doing research was that at one point Leonard was considered as a replacement for Spock just in case that Leonard Nimoy decided not to return for that second season. There's all that stuff about you know, whether he was going to come back or not. So uh, Leonard was, was on the docket for that. He was also the first choice to portray Abraham Lincoln in The Savage Curtain. But he couldn't do it because he had commitments uh, on other television shows along the way. So the very last time that we got to see Mark Leonard play Sarek was in 1991. He was in that Star Trek The Next Generation fifth season episode Unification 1. And I just think that uh, was really something special. He has been all over Star Trek and played so many characters and been so meaningful, I think, to us all. Um, we have a new Sarek now who I think we all really like, but Mark Leonard, I think is probably the first one that we think of when we think of Spock's father, certainly Leonard Nimoy's Spock's father. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Mark Leonard this week.
2: Also I would like happy to, ber- I'd like to, inter- yeah. I want to interject here because For sure. uh, Mark Leonard holds a very a special place in my heart. Um. He also played General Erko mm-hmm. on the Planet of the Apes TV series, which mm-hmm. Leslie and I have talked about on Trek many, many times. But the first Star Trek convention that I ever went to in my entire life, uh, Karen and I were juniors in high school. Three had just come out. And we went to a convention to see Mark Leonard, the first convention I went to. And um, he blew me away with how cool he was signed my picture to Jim, Live Long and Prosper. I still have it today. And he left such an impression on me that many years later, in 1991, when I decided I wanted to have a Star Trek convention, the very first name on the top of my list was Mark Leonard. I thought he was so cool when I met him. This is the guy I wanted at my convention. And, of course, I had him there. And it was right around the time of Star Trek Six, the Undiscovered Country. And uh, Karen and I went and picked him up at the airport, brought him back to the hotel. I was really nervous. And he mind-melded me. He mm-hmm. said, everything will be okay. And he, he mind-melded me. And it was the uh, I, coolest moment of my life. Amazing. Mark Leonard mind-melded <laughs> me. It was just, it was, <laughs> was just,
4: wow. So do you, so so, you have some of it? his memories now? I was going to say.
2: <laughs> I do. I do. I was just like, he just laid his hand on me. and I was like,
1: oh, Mark Leonard. It was
2: (laughs) awesome. And uh, he he was a great guy. I can't say enough he was a gentleman all the way around. He loved the fans. He loved Star Trek. Um, He would have rather played the Romulan than Derek. He thought the Romulan character had more depth and more Mm
1: -hmm. places
2: to explore. But he ended up as Derek, and he was a great guy, and he definitely, definitely missed. So um, I just wanted to throw that in there. So Thanks, Jim. That yeah, was my, I mean, this, my Mark Leonard can, story.
0: Can you believe this would have been his 99th birthday?
1: Amazing. Uh, wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, happy birthday, Mark Leonard, and thank, thanks for that great story, Jim. That was awesome. Uh, so moving along, we're also going to say happy birthday this week to the actor Ron Taylor. Ron Taylor was the actor and singer who played our Klingon chef that we see in Deep Space Nine's second season episodes, Melora, and playing God. This guy actually has a killer voice. He walks around singing while serving gah, which I think is amazing. Um, if you don't know him from Star Trek, that's okay. You probably best know him as the voice of Bleeding Gums Murphy from two episodes of The Simpsons, Moaning Lisa and Round Springfield. Um, He did a few movies along the way. He was in Trading Places in 83, Dead Heat in 88, Collision Course in 89, Second Sight in 89, and then did a couple of TV movies along the way. Uh, On Broadway... Taylor actually played Porthos, no, not the dog, we're talking about (laughs) the Shakespearean character, to Brent Spiner's Aramis in an 84 production of The Three Musketeers, so I think that's pretty cool. So Ron Taylor would have had a birthday this week on October 16th. Happy birthday, Ron Taylor. Happy birthday as well to Marsha Hunt. Marsha Hunt was the actress who played Anne Jameson in the TNG first season episode, Too Short a Season. Marcia began her career as a model before being discovered by Paramount Pictures by a talent scout at the age of 17 years old. She debuted in films all the way back in 1935, you guys. She was born in 1917, so she was in movies in, like, 36, 37. We're talking Easy to Take, Born to the West, Pride and Prejudice. Maybe you've heard of some of these movies. Uh, She spent a long time doing B-movies along the way as well. But then uh, in the 50s, interestingly enough, because of her politics – Thanks McCarthy, she got blacklisted, and so it made it really hard for her and her husband to find work during that period of time. Um, She later kind of revitalized her career, getting some more television work, Uh, and uh, unfortunately, we lost her 2022 just – About a year ago here, September 6th is when we lost her last year, but she did live to the ripe old age of 104 years old, which is so cool. She's the the second longest lived um, Star Trek person ever, uh, which is just really an amazing thing. And if you go back and just look at all the stuff that she lived through, man, she was born in 1917 and lived to Mm. 2022. Can you imagine what she saw in her lifetime? So... Uh, really special actress, Marsha Hunt, uh, thank you so much for your contributions in Star Trek, and happy birthday to you. Happy birthday as well to Mark Lemura. Lark Lemura was the actor who portrayed John Doe in the TNG third season episode, Transfigurations. Uh, Mark was mostly known for his work on some soap operas like All My Children uh, and a couple of other ones along the way basically known for television guest starring. Um, He was on a bunch of shows kind of back in the 70s, 80s, 90s along the way. Never got into film uh, and we lost him just a little bit too early from unfortunately lung cancer when he was only in his 60s. So Mark LaMura would have had a birthday just yesterday, October 18th, 1948. Happy birthday, Mark. And last but certainly not least, we're saying happy birthdays this week to Lou Shimer. Lou Scheimer was of course one of the co-founders of Filmation uh and was credited often as a producer on Star Trek the Animated Series. He also voiced four characters on the series along the way and was kind of known mostly as a producer and, and voice actor um, you know, along the way. He worked on so many other popular animated series from the 1960s all the way up to the 1980s, including the New Adventures of Superman, Albert and the Cosby Kids, and I know Jim probably watched it. I know I was in the right age demographic, but Jim may have watched it despite his uh, older years at this time. But uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, man, I have the power.
1: I watched that all the time when I was a kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, big.
1: By the, from,
0: by the power of the power so um so Scheimer uh, was also of course involved in that. Um, you know they they were one of the first companies that actually did adaptations of superheroes into uh to television shows, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, you can imagine, not only did he do the Superman and all the other things that we talked about, but he kind of got into the Archie scene back in the day. In fact, one thing that I didn't really realize was that the Archie show, which was an animated show that played from 1968 to 1969, had a bunch of original music. And do you guys know the song? Um, I know you've heard this song. Sugar, dun 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 Oh, yeah. honey, honey. You oh, know that yeah. song? That yep, song was out yeah. for that show. Can you believe that? Huh. Can you believe that? It went to number one there. on the 1969 Billboard charts. So there you go. Um, Lou Scheimer, unfortunately, in his later years, struggled with Parkinson's disease, which is a terrible disease um, where you're sort of trapped inside your body. Uh, your brain's working, but your body stops working. And um, that was, unfortunately, how we lost him in the end. In 2012, he was honored with an Ink Pot Award for his contributions to animation and he died just two days before his 85th birthday in 2013 so happy birthday and uh just thank you so much lou scheimer for all of your work on the animated series everyone i think here on the podcast is a fan and of course we've got shows now like lower decks thanks in no small part to uh work like the animated series So, just really really cool really meaningful and we miss you lou and that, you guys, uh, that does it for our remembrances this week. So I'm going to take this fiery birthday candle that I can barely hold at this point, pass it over to Charles, and see what he can do with it.
3: Thanks, Eric. Let's start off with a happy birthday to Matt, Matt Walsh, American comedian, actor, director, and writer who voiced Ron Dawson. Dawson in Star Trek Lower Decks' first season episode, Cupid's Errant Arrow. And looking through all of his work on writing and directing, and the one thing that caught my eye is he spent time working working writing and directing for Mythbusters. One of my favorite discovery shows. Happy birthday to Tony Belafonte, actress who played Captain Zila, Star Trek Picard, Sexy Episode and. Happy birthday to Mary Coherent, actress who appears as Ensign Alibi in Star Trek's Next Generation fourth season episodes, Final Mission and the Lost, and sixth season episode, Suspicious. Suspicions. Happy birthday, Renee Jones, actress who played Aquil Uhurna in Star Trek's Next Generation 6 season episode a quill. Happy birthday to Molly Brink, actress who appeared as Talus in three episodes of Star Trek Enterprises, Proven Grounds, Babel One, and United. Happy birthday to Hanson Nicholas, who played the Jeminhara boy in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, season episode, The Abandoned. And also happy birthday to Gillian Jacobs, Actress who played Barbara Brimson, Brimson in Star Trek's Lower Decks first season episode Cupid's Errant Arrow. People wonder why I didn't really do a whole lot of details on a lot of these characters. Is a lot of them are newer act, newer actors and actresses, or they did a lot of what I call day acting, as we've heard from an actor, as those who come in and just perform for the next. For a day or two in one episode, and that's all we see of them. And it gets to a point difficult to list all those ones when you're only appearing in one episode. But I'm going to pass a flaming candle to Paul. That's going to miss Paul and end it back to Eric. Yeah, I
0: get some folks who are still with us this week, and I'm going to continue our birthday fan or birthday shoutouts. I guess I'll say uh, with, of course, the actor Hiro Kanagawa the Japanese-born Canadian actor and playwright who played Dr. Hirai in the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. Thank you, Hiro, for your Star Trek stuff. It's pretty cool to have you as part of the family. Happy birthday as well to Aisha mansur gonzalez the actress who played Javini in the Star Trek Discovery fourth season episode, Choose to Live. We got a couple of Star Trek Discovery birthdays pretty cool. Aisha, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, As well to Lori Petty, the actress who played Noss in the Star Trek Voyager fifth season episode Gravity. Happy birthday, Lori. Happy birthday as well to Patricia McNulty, the actress who played Tina Lawton in the TOS first season episode Charlie X, a real classic. Happy birthday, Patricia. Thank you so much for your Star Trek stuff. Kimberly Farr has a birthday this week. She's the actress who portrayed the Breckian Langor in the Star Trek The Next Generation first season episode, Symbiosis. Happy birthday, Kimberly.
2: What an evil, twisted, drug dealer (laughs) she was, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah. (laughs) Did you want to not reshoot a TV and just wring her neck? Absolutely.
0: Every once in a while, you get one of those characters that you just really, like you said, you just want to wring their neck. And she was absolutely one, which tells me that as an actress, she was doing her job. Right, Jim?
2: <laughs> and, but, but but Jean-Luc got her in the end, though. He did. He did. That's yep. such a good She's like episode, well, Yeah. with the prime yep. directive, you can't interfere and stop us. And Jean-Luc is bad. like, yeah, you're right. But I also don't have to give them the engines they need to get your drugs. So take that. Yep. And, of course, <laughs> Lower Decks revisits that planet later, and we see what, what happens. was so it, a Wasn't it a good idea? Wasn't it a good idea? Watch Lower Decks, yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Watch we'll
2: Lower Decks to find out.
0: Uh, happy birthday, Kimberly. Happy birthday to a new favorite of ours, I think. Uh, of course, we are welcoming yeah. Todd Stashwick, the actor who played... Not only Taylock in Enterprise's fourth season episode, Kershara, uh, you know, where he sort of got his feet wet in Star Trek, but really what we know him for is playing Captain Liam Shaw, the captain of no. the... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Mr. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mr. No himself yeah. aboard the Titan there in the third <laughs> season of Star Trek Picard. Um, the man who says no when he means it and stands up to Picard and, and does a pretty good job, I would say, holds his own... But then kind of comes around in the end because he has a big heart, right? (laughs) Love Todd Stasher. Loved him, loved
2: him, loved him. We love Lee Shaw so much. Was he the dipshit from Chicago? Is that what he
0: was? Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's what he's just, yep, just a simple one. So, uh, yeah, super great work, man. I hope to be able to meet you uh, one day. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday as well to May Carol Jemison, the MD, appeared as Lieutenant Junior Grade Palmer in the Star Trek The Next Generation sixth season episode Second Chances. She's also a good friend of Nichelle Nichols, who visited her on the set while filming Second Chances. She has the unique distinction of being the first real astronaut to ever appear on Star Trek. That's right. She was actually there and she's actually been in space. So uh, you're welcome. Yeah, such a okay, cool. Okay, uh,
4: up.
1: Yeah.
3: Story goes with that. Yeah. Um, I couldn't go to the Star Trek 50th anniversary Star Trek Las Vegas for the 50th anniversary, and so I started to go started to go to Star Trek convention. And the following year, for 51st, and what's the first panel I ever got to see? was Jamison on stage talking about her role and her work on Endeavor. And wow. after the panel was over, Unwashed in Michelle Nichols. Wow. And it's like, ah, oh, my first chance back at a Star Trek convention. And what a panel to
2: see. Those two on stage. And just as a, a little... Another side piece of trivia, and I'm sure you guys know the answer, but when she was in, how did she open all of her communications?
1: Uh, well, hailing- of course.
2: She, she said hailing frequency <laughs> yep. open hailing frequency in honor <laughs> yep. of Michelle Nichols. Yep. yep. And for, and the for, other- for real. She, she actually, for real, in honor of <laughs> yep. Michelle Nichols.
0: I think that's amazing, and she, you know, after she left, she left NASA, like, back in the 90s, and after she did that, she just continued her work, and uh, as far as I know, I think she's still kind of the leader of that 100-year Starship project, which I don't know if you know what that is, but... um, it's basically a project to make sure that humans travel to another star possibly within the next hundred years, so it's a you know it's a group that's like trying to work out the technologies and just the thought the the thought process and the social interactions and how can people possibly live together that long on a starship. so it's cool to have somebody like her working on big theoretical projects like that right now,
4: yep.
2: Not just fun, uh, but educational.
0: Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, uh, thanks Mae Jemison. I also hope to meet you one day. And uh, last but not least on my list is a big birthday shout out to Ali Moman. Ali Moman, who's the actor who portrayed Cameron Gantt and the Mirror Universe Cameron Gantt, as well as Control possessing Gant's reanimated corpse in Star Trek Discovery thanks Allie Momin. Uh lots of Gantt in there and uh, I'm going to pass this birthday candle back over to Jim for the closer
2: and uh, a little piece of trivia for Gantt he's the only character in Star Trek who got to die three times three times <laughs> <Yep>. three <laughs> times that's a Pretty distinct cool. record and he wasn't even <laughs> a red, <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> oh, no red didn't shirt didn't even have there. to
0: change character names
1: <laughs> <laughs> nope
2: nope <laughs> All right, guys, we're wrapping up our birthdays. I only got a couple here. We want to say happy birthday to Jeff McCarthy, the actor who portrayed Roga Denar in Star Trek The Next Generation's third season episode, <laughs> The Hunted. Who <and> <laughs> Boimler has a weird... Yeah. <laughs> in Star Trek Voyager's first season episode, Caretaker. I, and I got to admit, I didn't make that connection until yeah. I read it. Yeah. Uh, I thought that guy, to tell you the truth, I thought he was a dick <laughs> in Voyager. <laughs> And when they uh, killed him off, I was like, good. He was an ass. <laughs> I never made the connection that he was Roga R <laughs> at all. Um, so that was cool. But, yeah, Eric's right. Um, he was mentioned in Star Trek Lower Decks. Yep. I think yep. Mariner mentions him. I think uh, well, it's by
0: Is it by – it, yeah, it's either – I remember both Boimler and Mariner talking about him quite a bit in that episode, Yeah. So funny.
2: Yeah, they actually used his name. Like so it was that's one of those ti- you guys to go back.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was just gonna that's say it was Lower one De- of those moments when we realized that Lower Decks was gonna be that show that dug deep into T N G and brought out these characters that we hadn't seen in such a long time. And actually, I mean that he's a pretty interesting character from that uh that T N G episode back in the day, so you know, it was kinda cool to see him again. Yeah, So uh,
2: we also want to say happy birthday to Michael McKeon, American actor, comedian, composer, musician, and director who played the clown in Star Trek Voyager's second season episode, The Thaw, and sticking with our Lower deck theme, we saw him recently as the clown. Well, it wasn't him, but we saw the character of the clown yeah. on Lower deck, most Multiple. recently. I, I don't... He wasn't voiced by Michael McKeon, though, but it was the same no. character. Yeah. Same character. But those of us who might be long on the tooth might know him from another classic 70s series. Um, he was part of the Lenny and Squiggy duo from Laverne and Shirley. Um, ah. Me, personally, I loved him in Conehead myself, mm. one, of, one of my um, go-to favorites. Um, so happy yeah, birthday, I go Michael to, McKean. I was gonna
0: say, I go to. Uh, I go to some of the things that he's done, like um, what, like the best in show, like the Spinal Tap and Mighty Wind type
2: movies. You know. And he was in the X Files as well.
1: Yes, he, he was also a was
2: doppelganger him. of Fox Mulder when they yep. switched places, and he tried to put the moves on Scully. Didn't work out too well for him.
0: <laughs> and if, you're, if you like the, I don't know if people are into the David Tennant show, Good Omens or not. He was actually in five episodes of Good Omens, too, back in 2019. That's a great show. It's based on the Neil Gaiman book. If you haven't read it, you should.
2: Yeah, lots, lots, lots of fun little tidbits here for you guys tonight. We also want to say happy birthday to Sabrina Frost, who was a former, former actress who played Miramani. In Star Trek, the original series, third season episode, The Paradise Syndrome. And I always save the Klingons for last, so we want to take a
1: block
2: to Paul Roselli, the actor who played Brigadier Curla in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek birthdays for this week. We are still live. It is still Thursday night. It is no longer 730, though, but you can still let your fingers do your walking and call Trek Talkin' at 646-668-2433 if you have any comments or you just want to call and say hello. But right now, it's time for...
4: Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization
0: code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program... Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters.
1: Transfer of data is complete. Black alert.
2: Black alert. All right, guys, it's time for Star Trek News. All these stories that we're about to talk about, uh, these are the, the abridged Uncle Jim version for the podcast. You can read these stories in their entirety on our Facebook page, or you can visit trektalkin.com. And Eric gets our first story tonight.
0: Yeah, Jim, we're going to start out this week with our favorite segment. Shatner says, what? That's right. William Shatner reveals that a classic Star Trek drink was actually, quote, disgusting. William Shatner debunks a classic drink that Captain James T. Kirk enjoyed on Star Trek, the original series, revealing it was actually disgusting. In Star Trek The Original Series Season 1 episode, The Corbomite Maneuver, which guest starred a very young Clint Howard, the episode's climax sees Captain Kirk beam aboard the Vesarius, which is the ship controlled by Balok, played by Howard, and the diminutive alien offers the Star Trek Enterprise crew his beloved drink called Tranya. Shatner reveals Tranya was not as delicious as uh, he made the audience believe. He said... It was actually disgusting, warm, food-colored apricot juice. Food-colored apricot juice. Well, I imagine most food is food-colored. Thanks. Thanks, Chatner. Uh, Tranya has also popped up in other Star Trek shows over the years. On Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Curzon Dax, who was occupying the body of Constable Odo, ordered two very cold Tranyas at Quark's Bar. In Star Trek Picard Season 1, the crime boss Bajazel served Dr. Bruce Maddox, drugged Tranya at her bar on Free Cloud in the episode titled Stardust City Rag. Hopefully, the later incarnations of Tranya weren't as disgusting for the actress to drink as the Tranya that William Shatner drank on Star Trek, the original series. I would imagine that they probably figured out, probably made it a little bit more palatable. But I, I just, the Shatner says what part of this is the disgusting warm food colored apricot juice. It's food colored, man. I just, there's so many questions I have about that. So thank you, Shatner, for well, continuing to supply all kinds of fun some- information.
3: <laughs> Probably something looks good on camera.
4: Uh, Yeah,
0: maybe with like a bright color or something something
3: good in technicolor. technicolor.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're probably right, Charles. Yeah. Yeah. So that is our Shatner Says What segment this week, but uh, I'm pretty sure that Charles has some other cool information to share with us that has to do maybe with some comics,
1: Charles.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm already looking forward to this one. New Son of Star Trek will finally put the franchise children in the spotlight. IDW's IDW publishing a new <clears throat> Son of Star Trek that will put both Jake Sisko and Worf's son Alexander in front and center. Both Jake and Alexander's lives have been rocked by the recent franchise spanning God of War culminating in the Day of Blood. Alexander's life in particular was changed forever. Picks up where Day of Blood left off. Not only will Son of Star Trek star Jake Sisko and Alexander, Alexander, but also Nog, as well as Q Jr., the son of the impotent Q. Alexander and Jake Sisko's relationship with their fathers make for an interesting comparison. Although Jake lost his mother at a young age, his father remains a strong, stable presence in his life. Jake does, not, does have feelings for the abandonment due to his father being away for three years. But these feelings are nothing next to Alexander. Nearly all circles of Trexanum agree on Worf was a bad father. Despite his best efforts, Alexander must find a new path forward and there's no better, better to help him than Jake Sisko. Alexander straddles two worlds, human and Klingon. Nock, Jake's best friend, is in a similar situations being the first Ferengian Starfleet and will no longer doubt is experience to help Alexander. Q Jr. is a true wild card in this bunch, which is only fitting, giving his dad's strictures nature. A spoiled and petul- petulant child, Q Jr., could be the perfect foil for Alexander and Jake as they find their way into Sons of Star Trek. Sons of Star Trek will be on sale February from IDW Publishing. I'm not sure if it's. And, uh, but, I guess that's the title. But, of I was thinking they were actually going to title it "Continue Star the Star Trek Series" in the actual comic. Now, but
2: I think it's it's going to be a, a recurring uh, monthly book. I believe isn't it? It's not a miniseries.
3: I'm. No, I think it's part of the new series, and I'm wondering if it's going to be part of the Star Trek one or if they're going to do a new series called Sun.
0: Well, they did but, a they did they showed us a cover, and it was a number one issue, so I think they're starting over.
2: Okay. Bye. And I I I believe I believe that it's um, also um, a mirror universe because of um, Alexander, I think. Right?
3: No. How is mm. it a
1: mirror?
2: Yeah. Well, well no. I I read uh, I I read somewhere. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, well, we
0: can't we can't with... we can't talk about it in too much detail without revealing kind of events of Star Trek Defiant uh, and the blood the day of blood line. But suffice to say that Alexander and Worf have a storyline in that series of comics that has come out recently that sounds like it's being continued. What I really hope is that I hope it's done in that style of the Star Trek and the Defiant book versus, for example, what we're seeing in, um, I don't know if you guys have read the first issue of the the Picard Starfleet Academy comic or not, but to me, that one has much more of a kind of young audience target sort of to it. It feels like it's made for like, I don't know, middle schoolers or high schoolers or so, whereas it feels like Defiant and um, the actual Star Trek series were, you know, they're comics that an an adult uh, Star Trek fan can really enjoy. So I I just hope it's in that vein personally. But when you start talking about introducing young characters, I worry that they're going to kind of like make it a comic for younger audiences. You know what I mean?
3: Right. And... For fans out there If you haven't read The Day of Blood series It's finally come to a point Where you can actually Read straight through it And get the entire story And it is a story Worth reading Waiting month to month Hoping for the next comic book You got the point It's like okay What's going to happen next And it's like yeah I got to wait a month For another episode But that story is Coming to a conclude. Is at a partial conclusion and is worth reading and I I have a
2: feeling that with with the big hiatus that we're going to be sitting through after Lower Decks that we may have time to cover a bunch of these comic books on this podcast as well so that'll be cool I
3: hope so
0: yeah, that would be cool. We, there, there have been I, – I will say that we all have – of, many of us have been collecting all the comics along the way, and the, the quality has still been pretty good. Like I, My general feeling has been that maybe it's not quite as high, but it's also because they're putting out so many comics right now. But the ones that they nail, they really nail, and then there's a couple that are you know, just like anything. Just like any just like any twenty-six episode season, right, there are a couple of bad episodes along the way
2: <laughs> there's always well there's always going to be sub Rosa or Spock's brain in there yep
3: but so, I will David. one little te- I will say a little teaser in there is once you get through most of it, then you can go read the annual right Eric with Shaq. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, that was a good ep- that was a good issue.
0: Yeah, the the sha-
3: the Shax that they're giving us in the comics,
0: guys, is unbelievable. Like, if you love Shax yeah. as a character, you need to be reading some of these comics right now because he's just like you see him have his best day ever, for example. <laughs> and who doesn't want to see that?
3: <laughs> and I'll give people a uh, teaser. This is a pre lower deck Shax.
0: Yeah, before he's even on the, Cerritos. the
3: end of this because they mentioned he was transferred to Charitas at the end of the series. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: I think I think if well, when we're going to talk about comic books, I don't think we'll do individual issues. I think we'll do complete story arcs. Otherwise, we'll never be able to get through them.
1: Oh, yeah. There's but so we'll, many at this we'll point.
2: point. Yeah. 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 We'll talk more about that later. But it's just a little teaser for you guys. We definitely will be talking about Star Trek comics. In the upcoming, not too distant future, <laughs> uh, David, uh, you want to jump in and take?
4: Yeah, sure. Let me let me uh, say a dad joke really quick. When does a joke become a dad joke?
2: I don't know. Um, when you run out of donut. <laughs> when it
4: when it becomes apparent.
2: Oh, uh. oh
0: dang! <laughs> yeah. Perfect, yeah, oh, job. good job.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a story for today that I got. It's called Why Netflix is the Best New Home for Star Trek Prodigy. Star Trek Prodigy is coming to Netflix, which will be the perfect new home for the beloved animated series. The first seasons of Prodigy aired on Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon, and consists and consisted of 20 episodes, although the second season had previously been announced, Star Trek Prodigy, was canceled and removed from the library of Paramount Plus in June of 2023. With a 94% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, Star Trek Prodigy received solid reviews from critics and fans alike. Despite being geared toward a younger audience, Prodigy contains numerous references and shout-outs to previous Star Trek shows, making it entertaining for Star Trek fans of all ages. Both old and new fans alike will have the opportunity to catch up on on Season 1 on Netflix later this year before Star Trek Prodigy Season 2 drops in 2024. As of early 2023, Netflix has nearly 240 million subscribers worldwide compared to Paramount Plus, around 60 million. Netflix clearly has a much larger global reach than Paramount Plus, which will allow Star Trek Prodigy to garner a wider audience. This could also prove great for Paramount Plus as more people around the world fall in love with the Star Trek franchise. Aside from Prodigy... Plus remains the streaming home of every other Star Trek project, including the currently in progress Star Trek Strange New World and Star Trek Lower Decks. Well, that sounds exciting. I didn't realize that Netflix had that many subscribers.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow! So, like,
4: I to, triple. I wanted to talk about this just a tiny bit here. So, if
2: you guys remember, way, way, way back in 2017, when Discovery came out, it was on a, a, seri- a little streaming uh, service called CBS All Access. And at that time, CBS All Access had an agreement with what company?
4: Palm Mountain Miners?
2: Netflix. Ah. It was Netflix. So, Netflix. So Discovery was being shown on Netflix outside mm. of the United States and on CBS All Access here in the States. And I'm just wondering if this whole prodigy and sudden cancellation of prodigy, if this was a well-planned and orchestrated inside coup conspiracy theory uh. deal from, uh, from our friends at Paramount
4: Plus. Just throwing it out there.
2: Well, I they're think they're just, all they, run by Tribbles. Well,
0: it,
4: they're all
2: Tribbles.
0: Well, <laughs> and like clearly, what we what we see in this article is that 240 million subscriber. I mean, that's that's no joke, right? I don't know if that's the biggest one or not, but it certainly is the biggest one. It seems like the biggest one. So, you know, if Prodigy wanted to have an extended life, coup or not, this feels like the right place for it to be i i wish we could have it on paramount plus because uh, they always told us that we would have all of our star trek in one place and and this podcast actually in the beginning we were we were profits of <laughs> of the seven dollar like subscription it's totally worth it man it's worth it just for discovery to get paramount plus and eventually you'll have all your star trek in one place well they gave it to us for a while but what they've shown us and what they've done is that they made us distrust them a little bit. Paramount did. Now, they've landed on their feet because uh, Netflix ain't a bad place for Prodigy to be. But um, but what it's done is it's kind of like bifurcated that, right? It's like now is Prodigy in the same universe? Is it is it being run by Paramount? Is it all like still tied together? I mean, of course it is, but
2: it's just a little weird. You know what I mean? Hm. It- it's crazy because with the strike uh, They they would have had 20 episodes to fill in And we would have had A whole bunch of new Star Trek Before we even had to worry about Going into a Star Trek drought On Paramount Plus Now we're going to have to go to Netflix For our Star Trek And that upsets me a little bit Like you said Eric uh, Paramount Plus is supposed to be the home for Star Trek And that's no longer true so you know, not not the smartest thing they could have done. But well, it's, I'm not sure if it's It's really a you know a bad. It's upset thing a lot. I,
0: well, I think it's upset a lot of people that they have to have two services to watch all Star Trek now. Like there have been a lot of people that have talked about that. You know, people who got rid of Netflix years ago because they didn't watch any Netflix shows. Well, now they can't watch *Prodigy* either, despite being Paramount Plus subscribers. So.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's,
2: yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Eric, or Charles, what do you think?
1: Uh, I don't know. I
3: admittedly decided at one point I wasn't watching anything on Netflix. And with so many streaming bills coming up, I decided to cut Netflix, Netflix off. Now it looks I'll have to bring it back in, but I'll wait until a Prodigy season, season 2 comes in. But it's also, I think, it's going to be a bit of a complaint for the fact that Netflix is already doing their second rate increase as of recent. Yeah. I know they switched from saying, oh, we're going to go to the standard platform to the ad-free and the premium And now we're going to raise the prices up for both. And it's like, as you're cracking down, trying to prevent people from piracy and sharing passwords, and now you're saying, okay, you're not sharing passwords, and we're going to up the price again, even though preventing people from sharing passwords should actually be increasing the number of people watching your streaming service so i think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that
2: yeah i agree i i i, I have netflix i was going to drop it but now i'm going to keep it because of prodigy so huh. we'll see what happens yep all right guys i've got the next story and i'm kind of excited about this one we've talked about it in the past um, and we could talk about it again here. Screenwriter talks about writer's room for Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek and his passion for the movie. Uh, screenwriter Lindsay Beer is now revealing some details of what it was like working with Quentin Tarantino on his proposed and now defunct R-rated Star Trek movie. In late 2017, Quentin Tarantino pitched an idea for a Star Trek movie To producer J.J. Abrams and Paramount jumped at the opportunity to work with the Oscar-winning writer and director. The film would have been R-rated and separate from Paramount's planned Star Trek 4 follow-up to Star Trek Beyond, which at that time was still the version with Chris Emwards returning as George Kirk. In a new interview with The Hollywood Reporter, screenwriter Lindsay Beer reveals that it was like working with Tarantino's Trek writer's room he said we got in there and he started with so what are your guys ideas for the movie and i think i went first so he listened to us patiently and just kind of nodded his head and then he took out his notebook and started talking for 20 minutes with lines of dialogue and passionate ideas that he'd already written it wasn't really a story yet they were just random thoughts he had on a movie but it was also so passionate and so wonderful. And I laughed to myself and thought, well, why didn't we start with that? End quote. In the summer of 2019, Tarantino said Smith delivered a cool script describing it as pulp fiction in space. However, by the end of the year, Tarantino said he was steering away from the project which eventually fizzled out without the auteur's direct involvement. Smith later revealed the film would include James T. Kirk, as well as other familiar characters, and it would involve gangsters. Beer first revealed to be involved with the latest Star Trek Four project in 2021, when Matt Sharkman was tapped to direct. He later left to write and direct the new Paramount Plus movie, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Screenwriters have been brought into work. On the subsequent drafts based on the idea that came from J.J. J. Abrams, Paramount is reportedly interested in fine-tuning the latest draft to get Star Trek IV into pre-production soon. So, you know, as soon as I read this article and heard Pulp Fiction in Space, I was I was sold because I thought that whole Pulp Fiction idea in a Star Trek movie would have been fantastic. And... I love Quentin Tarantino and what he's what he's done. And I think that it would have been great for Star Trek to have something a little different. Everything doesn't have to be the same. And I, I was a big fan of Quentin Tarantino doing Star Trek. A lot of people weren't, but I was. And, uh, well, now we're not going to see it. What do you guys think? Would you guys have gone to see a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek?
4: Or would you uh, avoid maybe. Uh, I'm not really familiar with his work, so I can't really say yes or no. So, on to the next guy. That was weird. Yeah.
0: No, I I absolutely would be into it. Uh, but I also loved that one episode of Black Mirror that we reviewed years and years ago that was like a really creepy, you know, R-rated version of Star Trek. I, I feel like Star Trek is a universe that, you know, give, give like. has a lot of room to grow and we've already seen at this point we've seen plenty of r-rated star trek right like picard is r-rated star trek absolutely um so it's not like it would be uh weird to see star trek characters you know dropping a swear word or um using violence or like doing other things that happen in quentin tarantino movies what was really exciting about this project was his passion and that's kind of like what anytime you get somebody with a big name who's really passionate about things, and that you know it's kind of funny. This person talks about well, why didn't we start with Tarantino's ideas? Because he obviously came into this move into this meeting with all of the stuff that he wanted to talk about. He was trying to be respectful and offer an opportunity to other people just in case they had, you know, as thorough and as amazing ideas he had. But he couldn't help himself; he had to pull out the notebook and. And tell everybody he was thinking about it. So I would have been very excited to see it. Honestly, I think it could have been great. Uh, and, you know, you never know. Uh, we might get Tarantino-esque Star Trek sometime in the future. I mean, man's not going anywhere, so he's got a lot of years left.
2: Well, isn't, isn't Lower Decks and Dr. Tahana, isn't that kind of R-rated Tarantino's Trek if you took out all the bleeps?
0: yeah i mean there's def- there's the language component of it. I mean she swears like a sailor. there's absolutely no question <laughs> like she she goes to town, but you know it's actually in Picard I think that we see like they they the language becomes more of a thing and there's a little bit more blood when people get killed uh and and that sort of stuff so um it, like I said, I think when we first started talking about this back in twenty seventeen pre Picard we didn't have a concept of what R-rated Star Trek would look like, and now we do. And so now it seems a little bit less odd hmm. than I think it did back in 2017. And, I, I mean, Tarantino, there's no question the man knows how to write a movie. He he knows how to weave a story that's very interesting, and whether you like his genre or not. I think Gangsters in Space sounds interesting. I mean, uh you know, the Andor show had a whole like arc of a heist and then a like prison break thing involved, so why not have gangsters in a sci fi show? I think it sounds awesome.
2: And I actually I think that J J. Abrams well, did a great job with Star Trek two thousand and nine. You know, why not give Tarantino a shot if he wanted it? I was looking forward to it myself. What were you gonna say, Charles?
3: I was gonna say, I think part of the gangster part there was tied into piece of action. Yeah. From TOS.
0: I mean, that's yeah, an episode they went like. that. Yeah, that's an episode tie-in that but, just wants to be rated R, right? Because it's gangsters, man. Like that's you want to see good Goodfellas in space.
3: Well, look at okay, yeah. look at how our fans, look at how our fans have changed did fans really make a much noise with some of the language in Picard?
0: I think at first they did, Charles. In season one, there were people who had a little bit of an issue with it, and then I think they became desensitized to it.
3: But well, Okay, but let's go back to season one. Uh, was it, I think it was season one. And Tilly. Um, war and damage joined in people. with her <laughs> and that uh, yep. was, was hysteria with that one. Language. Oh, we would never have had this kind of language in Star Trek.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think I think one of our fans said it perfectly in his in uh, in his lower deck description. He said fans resist anything new in Star Trek. And as soon as Star Trek veers off the path that they're familiar with and steps outside of the box, they hate it. And it just, it takes a while for them to acclimate to it. As, you you know, know, Jim, that's a, that's a very
0: – it is. It's a very standard reaction. It's actually got a name. It's called status quo bias. And it's when you think that things are better because they've always been this way and they shouldn't change. And that's a hard thing to break through, especially when you're in a comfortable place and, you know – before we started getting discovery and kind of the relaunch of the new era of star trek a lot of people were were in their comfort zone from the late you know from the late 80s through the early 2000s there with our with our four star trek shows that we had during that era and um the status quo bias automatically meant that discovery for example had a lot of strikes against it before people ever saw it right it's, it is human nature unfortunately so hopefully most of our fans, and most Star Trek fans, try to approach things with an itic kind of uh, open-mindedness, right? That's the
2: hope. I, I, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, David, uh-huh. um, I've been, uh, you've got the next story, and, and I thought you might like this one, so that's why I dropped this one in your lap.
4: Sweet. All right, let's talk about games. The new Star Trek strategy game comes to the Mac. And cheese? Uh, Anyways, Star Trek fans will also have the opportunity to explore the far reaches of space in in a new strategy game, Star Trek Infinite. Developed by Paradox Interactive, this game has been released on the Mac operating system platform. So prepare your Mac for it. Star Trek Infinite is a 4X strategy game that promises to take players on an epic journey through space. Mechanic 4X refers to explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. And this game does not disappoint in its execution. Players will be able to immerse themselves in a universe where the leadership decisions make they make will have an impact on the game narrative and the fate of the factions involved. Players can select from four different factions, each with their own story and play style. These factions are the United Federation of Planets, the Klingon Empire, the Romulan Star Empire, and the Cardassian Union. The choice of faction will not only influence the dynamics of the game, but will also affect the characters that players can recruit. The game is compatible with Apple Silicon devices, ensuring that owners of the latest Mac computers can enjoy the smooth gaming experience. Furthermore, it is compatible with most Macs with Intel processors manufactured after 2016, which expands its accessibility. And I gotta tell you something, this game, is quite fun. It's actually got a lot of um, story events that take place in the TNG era. It's, and every decision you make it almost feels like you're playing in a Star Trek universe that all of a sudden branches out and becomes, like, in a sense, their own multi-universe, I guess you can say, because the outcome of that event turns out completely different from what the show actually does. So you might end up getting something mixed in that's going to be like something completely. Uh, not only that is rewarding, but it's also it, you're basically making up your own Star Trek story throughout mm-hmm. this entire game, and it's it's really fun to so play. I, so. I just started
2: playing it recently, as in two days ago, <laughs>
1: um,
2: and I'm I'm I'm. I'm going to get on with David and try to do it together. And I, I'm, I'll tell you my my take on it. Um, it's completely overwhelming when you first start it because you've got all these planets that you have to manage, and you have to mine the lithium, you have to get neutrinium, you got to you got to keep the people happy, you got to feed your people, you got to build your ship, you got to put energy in your space stations, you got to explore. You got to, you know, deal with this, deal with that. You know, there's all kind, of, and it seems at first it's like, wow, how can you deal with all of this? But you'll get used to it, and you'll you'll figure it out. And what 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 Dave is talking about is all of the events that happen in the game. The game starts before Wolf 359. It's TNG era, prior to the Borg invasion. And as you play the game in real time, like, for instance, right now I am um, trying to build my first Klingon bird of prey. And I got my scientists working on it, and it's going to take 60 hours to build my first bird of prey. So while, while they're working on the bird of prey, events in the Star Trek universe happen. And the computer will pop up with an event and it will say something like, uh, I don't know, their are episode events like um, um, the Romulans attack Outpost 7 on the Neutral Bone border or the Romulans attack Kittimer. That's the one. Yes, the Romulans attack Kittimer. Yeah. And then you have to decide what you're going to do about it. And obviously <laughs> I'm, playing, I'm playing the Klingons. So I'm going to go and attack. But all these events that we're familiar with in Star Trek happen in the game. And you have to decide how your empire is going to react to those events. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very Star Trek. You've got all the planets that you're familiar with um, and the beautiful graphics of those planets. Um, But your characters can die. Which was mm-hmm. like they age and if they get too old they will die. And mm-hmm. so you you know, time actually works in this game against you. Um, but it took me a while to to settle into it, but it is fun. It is yeah. a fun game.
4: I actually wanted Once to go on a couple of it. those points yeah, I wanted to go on a couple of the points you made. Uh the game actually takes place at right after the, uh the Kitima event, not Wolf three five nine. I think that happens like way later. However, yeah. Uh, when you when you said that you were building a clean on voter play and it takes 60 hours, I think that little symbol that you're looking at, that little clock, is actually by days, and the days in the, oh. the days in the game actually go by like super quick, depending on if you want to speed the time up or not. Will slow it down. So yeah, it, they actually go by day by day by day in this entire game. And so day by day, you, your characters are getting old. Events happen. You can pause and unpause the game at any time you want, and you actually do certain actions. Um, this game was developed by the exact same people who made Stellaris. And as I remember tell, <coughs> excuse me, as I remember telling you guys a while ago that I was a part of a, a mod. Uh, progress program, I guess you could call it, that we're working on another Star Trek game based off of that same uh, engine, game engine, that they use a pod and unpause, where you're literally going through time, starting from Archer all the way up to, like, the 32nd century and beyond. And so you're literally going through time. And so the the game that I was playing on, is called Stellaris, which you can buy on Steam, this is a mod that I was a part of a while back called Star Trek New Horizon, which mm. I really highly recommend because that game that we're talking about, Star Trek Infinite, is the exact same model build of uh, Stellaris. So, I mean, it's, it works the exact same way, and yeah, so it's really fun to make your own Star Trek history.
2: Yeah, and you you get to decide, like, um, you know, my Klingon empire, um, when you get to a certain point in the game, you have to make the choice. Do you want to have – do you want to be friendly Klingons that are going to go out and explore? That's boring. Hell no. Do you want to be Klingons (laughs) that are going to be, you know, kind of cautious but open to alien races? Hell no. Why bother with that? Or do you just want to go straight out there and conquer everyone? Yeah, baby. I'm a Klingon. Let's go to war. So that's how I set up my Klingon empire. But you have the choice, is my point. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and the choice you make will affect your relationship with the other races in the game. Also, there's something I
4: also wanted to point out, too, is that when you start making war with everybody... You got to be careful with that because then there's a system in this game where they actually start calling other empires to gain up on the most powerful empire that's building up like humongous. So you could end up facing multiple uh, empires going after you if you get really powerful. So it's just kind of like a Dominion war situation, you know, like Dominion were pouring in, right? And all of a sudden everybody in Alpha Quadrant was like, whoa, what's going on? So they all got together to go defeat that one common enemy.
2: Oh, well, I, I keep thinking of the Vulcan hello on Discovery. <laughs> you know, when I see an when I see an alien race, I kill them. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. <laughs> You're dead.
1: <laughs>
2: we'll see how it works out for me. Anyways, it's a fun game. It's a fun game, and you you can shape the Star Trek universe based on your decisions. So, check it out. Well, guys, guess what? Hard to believe. We've come what? to the end. Of another podcast? Whoa. No, Huh? no. Wow,
1: it's not possible.
2: It's just—it's a time warp. It's yeah, a time Chris, warp. Get back into
1: your time machine.
0: What you're so, saying, Jim, uh, is it's just a jump to the left and then a step to the right.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hands that's on me, your that's head, what I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, but but don't fear because we'll be back again next week, same bat time, same bat channel, and we'll talk about the lower decks episode. which is the one that's on tonight right now we'll be talking about that next week and hopefully paul will be back with us as well we'll wait and see but it was a lot of fun chatting with you guys and i want to say thank you so much to charles for hanging out and trek talking with us thank you charles
3: oh thank you it's always fun
2: it's it's great to hang out with you guys and also thank you to eric for hanging out and trek talking with us so much eric
0: yeah, Jim, no problem. Let me know uh, how many liters of this uh, Oregon water you want me to send your way so that you can uh, you know, sell it at your conventions and uh, get some other people recruited to the cause here.
2: <laughs> I know. we we got to do something about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, of course, thank you to our very own Donut Guy as well for getting me addicted to this Star Trek game. Thank you <laughs> so much to our very own David for hanging out and Trek talking with us.
4: You're welcome. I can't wait to actually play the game with you now.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll make it
4: happen <laughs>
2: for sure. Okay.
1: <laughs>
4: so,
2: are, just, how would that be? Would like would I attack you, or are we on the same team, or how does that work?
4: It's all based on choice. You can if you like, but be prepared to meet my might of the Federation fleet. <laughs> oh, did you just
3: throw down the gauntlet? Oh, you we did. Threw it down,
4: didn't you? What
2: it sounded like
3: to me. Wow. Well,
4: a drew line. which I do one. The line he must Threw be it drawn. down. Yeah. There
2: we go. <laughs> <laughs> Them spiking <fighting> words. <laughs> all right, guys. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And uh, you know, just remember, guys. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. night. Live all and prosper. Let's see what's out
1: there. Engage.
4: Hello. You have reached the Q Continuum.
3: We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your
2: feeble mortal mind cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we
3: simply do not care. Have a nice day.
1: With
2: Lucky Lancelot, you can get lucky just about
3: anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered
2: here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?